Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Robin Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguins Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Jawan, and I'm really excited to do the show today. Like, like super excited. I'm, I wanted to just say that. Um, but I'm joined by the best panel on the planet, starting with Nick. What's going on, Nick? What up? Georgia beat Florida yesterday. Uh, Philly came back and got a big win last night. I'm fucking really happy this weekend. It's been a good one. Yeah, and I am like I am waiting for my potential doom because my Knicks play at six, my Patriots play at eight. Both possibly could get losses tonight. So um, I'm glad we're doing the show now. Um, Playing (laughs) the Ravens. They're playing the Ravens. Oh, yeah. The Ravens are pretty good this year. Lamar Jackson looks good. Yeah, so this is horrible for me. But right now, (laughs) I'm standing pat with possibly being able to beat Nick in fantasy basketball. So maybe that might be the one (laughs) one I get to see. There you go. Hey, I made a lot of roster acquisitions just for today. Like, so, because I, like, saw the projection and I was like, I don't give a fuck. I want to beat Juwan this week. I don't give a fuck about the rest of this. <laughs> so we'll see if that ends up, uh, ends up, uh, you know, uh, being worth it for me in the long run. <laughs> That's actually really smart because I think today is the last day we play each other because I think tomorrow starts the new week. Um, it does, yeah. So if that's the case, I should have probably did some tinkering myself, but whatever. So three losses today I'll experience. But anyway – um, yeah. What's going on, Tia? Hey guys, how are you today? I'm excited to uh, talk about everything we have to talk about because it is a lot. Yes, it is. I, I was making the um, the, I was doing the topics with with Joel last night, and he kept going, "Oh no, 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 this, this too." I'm like, "I, I, I think, I think this is enough." Are you sure? Put this in. I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right." <laughs> <laughs> It, it it no go away so um yeah but it is a lot but it's all the stuff that I'm sure people want to hear us talk about um so I wanted to make sure we get everything in here so without further ado let's get right into it let's start off with some trailers um two weeks ago because we I think we've been on uh for about two weeks we got the final trailer for the rise of Skywalker um thank you Nick because I had that title completely wrong. Uh, we had the final trailer for it. Um, actually, during Monday Night Football, when my Patriots were destroying the Jets. Um, so it was a good night all together. But um, yeah, we got the final trailer for it. Um, 
I'll start off with you, Nick. Uh, I will say before I pass it to you, um, it I, if that's what they were going to give us for a final trailer, I just would have rather not giving us a final trailer. But, Nick, your thoughts huh. on the final trailer for uh, The Rise of Skywalker? Um, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, but really quickly, side note, I don't – how the fuck does the NFL think a Monday night game of the Pats versus the Jets is going to be watchable? Like, I wasn't going to watch that game, except that I wanted to watch the trailer. So I was like, ah, fuck it. Might as well watch this game. What a terrible game. Like, the Jets haven't yeah. been good in, like, fucking ten years, if not more. Like, come on. Well, step fair, the game up, NFL. To um, be fair, Nick, but to be fair, yeah. if you're Goodell, your thought was the Jets looked really good against the Cowboys the week before. So you were kind of like, well, maybe they'll carry that into this game, and it'll at least be watchable. I don't think anyone thought it would be that bad. Yeah, but they do the scheduling, like, you know, at the beginning of the year for these things. Right. So Right. I'm saying um, I, so, I think heading into that game, he was kind of hoping he would get the Jets oh, okay. that play the Cowboys more so than what he actually got. Yeah, see, I'm just saying, like, in general, like, don't put the Jets on Monday Night Football at all, much less against the Patriots. Like, if you're putting the Jets on there, why not just make it the Jets and the Giants? Like, both those teams suck. Maybe we'll get a decent game out of it, you know? Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I digress. Um, I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed the last trailer. Um, I, I mean, I thought there were some really fucking cool scenic shots. Um, the, I mean, the, they kind of have, like, a little trend with these trailers and how they, like, start with, like, just this calm setting and then boom, like something happens. You get Finn popping his head up or, you know, Ray, um, you know, popping her head up for, uh, in, in, for, you know, the last trailer when she's, uh, training with Luke and, and near the rocks. And now you get this one with her running through the, the forest. So they kind of have a theme going with their, um, with, with a lot of these trailers. Um, I, you know, I, I like I said, I liked it. I like the the sort of scenic shots that they had. Um, gives gives you a little more, you know, kind of cool stuff to look at. Um, uh, you know, I I loved three uh, PO's. You know, little thing. It was very meta. With you know, I just want to get one last look at my friend's kind of speech, little speech that he gave. Um, knowing that this is going to be uh, the end of the Skywalker saga. Um, at least for the foreseeable future, like that's what they're saying as of now. Um, so, you know, I, I felt like that was kind of a, like a meta inclusion, both probably in the movie, but specifically speaking for the trailer. Um, so I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Um, it didn't really affect me like super like much the first time I saw it. Cause I was just taking everything in. But when I rewatched the trailer, I gotta admit, I got a little misty eyed. Like I was like, fuck man, like, damn, this is crazy. Um, and could that mean, like, could that mean the end of C-3PO? Like, you know, could, much as L2, um, you know, was, was uploaded into the Millennium Falcon, um, could this be some kind of sacrifice that 3PO is making? Um, I don't expect that to be the case, mainly because of the, the dialogue that Poe delivered, but, you know, they can cut that up and um, trick you. Um, but it, it certainly seems like a possibility. So that, that would be interesting. And it would be interesting if, if 3PO um, kind of got to make the, the sacrifice play for the rest of these characters, um, especially given that um, he's always kind of been portrayed as the coward of, of the group. 
um, if he got to make that that sort of um, decision and that sort of uh, be the the um, end of his arc, I think that would be very fitting. I think that would be cool. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I like both of those aspects. Like I said, I like the scenery. Um, uh, the little tease at the end, obviously, with um, Ray staring up at a some kind of throne with some kind of cloaked figure. Is that Palpatine? Is that Ray? Is that racing herself in some kind of vision? Um, you know, we, we got to see her with the dual-sided red lightsaber in the last one. Could that be a part of her vision and that both of those two scenes be connected? Um, very interested in seeing that. Um, when uh, Kylo and Ray are in the, the, like the very white um, room that's either in like a ship or a station, um, that looks very interesting. Not sure what they're like chopping at um with their lightsabers simultaneously but um that's sort of intriguing and um you know the the line that uh palpatine kind of utters in the background of the trailer um essentially saying like the two of you coming together will be your demise um that's very interesting to me um like i i I, I need to know what he means by that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm gonna we're gonna have to watch the movie, um, but I feel like that probably has some big significance, um, especially considering that, um, you know, they've been obviously coming together throughout this whole trilogy. So it's not just I don't think it's a line that just specifically means in this movie, but more so throughout this whole trilogy, going all the way back to the Force Awakens, them uh, coming together. Uh, it, it, it is, you know, in Palpatine's mind, going to bring a, a, upon their demise. Um, we shall see. We shall see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, man, I'm fucking excited. I, I very much enjoyed uh, this last tra- trailer. It didn't have the shock and awe factor um, like that the previous one had with the very last scene in Ray. Um, but I, I think, in my opinion, like all in all, it was a better trailer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super fucking excited, man. I'm all in. Yeah, I just felt like aspects of it felt eerily similar to the first trailer. So I, I the gist I got from the second trailer was you're trying to give us somewhat of an idea of you know where you were going, um, but you wanted to show us as little as possible to do that, which is completely fine. I'm not one of those people that needs you to spoil stuff in the trailer. I just prefer you stop giving us more trailer spin. Um, I mean, like the fact that you gave us our last trailer before November, um, and the movie comes out in December, um, it's a huge inclination. You want us to know as little as possible. So if that's the case, mm-hmm. only give us one trailer. Like <laughs> that's all we would have needed, and that would have been fine. Like we would have been able to live with that. Um, people would have complained, but those are the same people that would complain if you gave us two or three trailers and you showed too much. Um, so, I mean, that was just really my mindset of it because we we know how secretive they want to be about this movie, um, because of everything that, that it means, like it's wrapping up what nine movies. Um, so, I mean, of course they don't want anything to kind of come out and, and ruin the experience. But to me, if you were trying to allude to us that you want us to know as little as possible, one trailer would have been fine. So instead of showing the first one, when you did show it you know, when you showed this one and then let that be it. Like maybe, um, you know, some, uh, 
TV spots or, or, or whatever um, between now and December. But to me, it just kind of felt like, no, <laughs> no. Um, but it, it, I'm not saying it was a bad trailer. I just kind of just felt like the first trailer. Um, but Tia, your thoughts on the final trailer for The Rise of Skywalker? So, see, I actually really enjoyed the trailer. And this is um, coming from someone who isn't even that big of a Star Wars fan. Um, I like that it was as little as possible. And certainly the line where C-3PO had, uh, I'm taking one last look at my friends. Um, I didn't even think about him making the sacrifice until Nick brought it up. I thought that perhaps the others were going to go into some sort of, say, suicide mission pretty much. And he was uh, knowing that probably this was going to be the last time that he was seeing a lot of them. But uh, the idea that it could be him who is making the uh, sacrifice is a really kind of cool idea, especially considering the type of character that he has always been and what we know him as. I thought it was really good. I liked having as little as possible. I liked that it had the feel of this is pretty much the end, at least for a while. So get used to it. There is not going to be, say, another like Skywalker type of storyline for a long time, and you're not going to really be able to look forward to that. This is the finale, um, and every story needs a finale. So I really enjoyed it. I thought that it was well done. I thought that um, it had enough of uh, Star Wars lore to really get fans excited for it, um, as well as kind of hiding a lot uh, that is going to be in the movie. I like the scene where they're – I don't know what they are. Are they horses or something? But I like the scene where they're, like, (laughs) riding them. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh, shit, there's, like – horses on top of a spaceship. What is going on right now? It's epic. I love it. Uh, so I thought it looked good. I thought the last trailer for The Rise of Skywalker looked really good and it actually made me want to go to the theater to go see this. And it probably wouldn't have been something that I would have wanted to see prior. Did you see The Last Jedi yet, Tia? I didn't. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm like, wow, it's really great hearing how excited Tia is for, for the Star Wars movie. And then something in my brain was like, I don't think she saw the last one. Um, <laughs> I Tia, saw The Force need... Awakens. <laughs> no, Tia, you need to see The Last Jedi. Um, but no, you I mean, said, look. You said a few weeks ago that I did not need to go see The Last Jedi to see Rise of the Skywalker, that I could walk in without having seen that movie, and it would be perfectly fine. You said it. Uh, I can go back. Yes. I yes. think that's exactly what he said. No, I think he I said exactly that you could get said. by without seeing it. Similar right, to how like, you could get by with watching uh, one, of, one of the latest Avengers movies without seeing all of the movies beforehand. But he said, right. I'm pretty sure he said he wouldn't recommend it, though. Yeah, like specifically, yeah, I was saying if you're just going in to see really cool lightsaber battles and to be a part of like the the ending of of this story, sure. But if you want to be able to feel everything, um, like seeing the Last Jedi is super important, um, for Carrie Fisher's performance. It's super uh, important for Mark Hamill's performance, and it's super important to kind of see 
where Kylo is come that movie, but you have to understand where he was in The Last Jedi, kind of feeling out where him and Rey's relationship uh, seemingly was going, ultimately before they both ended up making their own decisions. But there's a lot in The Last Jedi um, that you should you should see. I mean, you know, to me, The Last Plus, Jedi... is it still on Netflix? Yeah, it is. No excuses, Tia. No excuses. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, see, I, I'll say this. I'll say this. If you are not the biggest Star Wars fan, and again, if you're just going for the popularity of seeing how it ends and just the really cool lightsaber battles, then sure. But I'll tell you the same thing I told someone who didn't see Infinity War but wanted to see Endgame. You have no emotional attachment to anything that happens in Endgame. You didn't see Infinity War. Like, you didn't see the buildup of Peter and Stark, um, and then when he disappeared. So when you saw him hug him in Endgame, you didn't feel, you know what I'm saying? You didn't understand how important that was, like why he, you know, he couldn't wait to hug Peter again. So there's, like, so many emotional moments you're not kind of clued in on because you missed something. Um, So I would suggest it. Go watch the last shit. Plus, plus, I think the fact that you're not like a big, huge Star Wars fan would probably cater to you liking the movie more. Like, like Dane's not like a huge Star Wars fan, and he really enjoyed the movie. Um, yeah, most of the people that I know who because... really didn't like the movie, it's because they're huge Star Wars fans, and they had a problem with various problems with how the Star Wars saga was handled not as much the movie per se so um, I think you would enjoy it yeah yeah I I completely agree with Nick people's issue necessarily wasn't that it was a bad movie it was just that Ryan Johnson completely went left from all their uh, expectations Um, so they were kind of just butthurt he didn't do what they wanted him to do Um, but and they and I'll give them this too and they really didn't like how he handled Luke like they didn't which I, I, guess, I, guess, I, I guess I could see you, you could tie that into people's expectations, but I think that's bigger than just fan theories. I mean, I think that that's that's hitting more like you're fucking with their like favorite character from childhood, you know? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you at all, man. Uh, Mark Hamill wasn't even really happy with how they uh, went about doing Luke Skywalker, and he's I'd say he's the ultimate Star Wars fan, but um. Yeah, Tia, no excuse. None whatsoever. <laughs> um, we'll have time. <laughs> we might even do like a trivia episode of The Last Jedi just to make sure you saw it before uh, you oh, see the rise of the I'll be sick that day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we do house calls. It's no problem. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's keep it in the world of Star Wars. We got the final trailer for The Mandalorian. Um before I pass it to you, Nick, Tia, I want I to repeat something. Um, IGN put out uh, an interview that they had with, um, I think it was Carl Weathers, um, uh, Gina Carano, and um, Pablo, who plays um, the Mandalorian. They asked Pretty him, sure will, yes, they asked him, will we see your face? And his response was something I want you to pay close attention to, Tia. <laughs> His response was, in the midst of the character, you do not see their faces. And I can tell you now, you will not see mine. Possibly the best thing 
I have ever heard <laughs> coming out of any interview I've ever heard in my life. Now, to be fair, <laughs> if you did not read any of the books and you only watched Star Wars The Clone Wars, you would think he's lying because you saw nothing but the Mandalorian faces. But I think um, I, I think he's going more so the books. I think um, uh, well, I can't think of his name, uh, Nick, who did um, Boba Fett. No, uh, the guy who did Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on his oh, name. Oh, um, Dave um, Filoni. Dave Filoni, yeah. Yes, Dave thank Filoni. you. Um, With our powers no, combined. Thank you. thank you. I didn't have Dave. You didn't have Filoni. That's what teamwork's about. Um, yep. <laughs> but I think he went a little off off script for uh, some of the Mandalorians. Um, but seemingly, from what I know, and I could be wrong, but um, I do not recall in the books the Mandalorians ever taking off um, their helmets. I also, um, you know, appreciated the fact that um, – he was happy about the idea that he's not showing his face. He's like, I want to stay true to the character. So, like, he doesn't ever take his helmet off. I won't be. Um, so it's an interview I definitely want you both to check out. It was a really good interview besides just that. But, Tia, I want you to pass that to uh, Shriver, you know? Just let him know, like, you know, it's okay to be, you know, faithful to the source material. But, um, Nick... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass it to you. Your thoughts on the final trailer for The Mandalorian, which, by the way, debuts in two weeks. Dude, yeah, it was fucking dope. Um, I See, I, I would say with this even more so than um, The Rise of Skywalker is kind of more of the same. Um, but it was still cool. Um, it still gives you, uh, like, a little more going on. Um, I love the fucking uh, – the fact that they're using an, an IG – um, uh, droid, uh, bounty hunter droid in this. Um, I was always a big fan of the design of IG-88. Um, and of course you only caught like a brief glimpse of him, uh, in Empire and then you don't ever see him again, but in the extended universe, um, he's like a really super badass character and he's like, um, uh, kind of sees himself as Boba Fett's biggest, um, uh, rival and so that's it's cool to to have that little added element um and i believe this is ig11 if if i recall correctly um this particular ig unit um but he looks badass when he's like doing all his like cool spin shots and everything taking out like a whole village of fuckers coming at him um so that was really cool um and again like with kind of the meta line of uh, you know, at the end of the trailer, like, you know, we've been waiting for you or whatever. And he's like, good. Um, and that's like, obviously we've been waiting for the series. Um, but also like, it's cool to finally hear, this is the first line that we've heard, um, from Pedro Pascal throughout the whole fucking, uh, any of these trailers. Um, so that kind of is another added element to the, the lore of this character. Um, and, my thought on the whole, I you know, because I didn't, I didn't see that interview, but the whole thought of him not taking his mask off and not having a whole lot of dialogue, um, my thought would be like potentially as an actor, you see that as like a big challenge. Like, how do I convey, um, like the the proper like emotional, um, you know, uh, 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 what am I trying to say here? Emotions rather. Um, 
you know, throughout throughout this series, um, while having very little dialogue and having, you know, if we're to believe Pascal not showing his face throughout the whole series, um, like that's really interesting to me, you know, not only as a viewer, but also to think of it from an actor's perspective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just super excited. I think it looks really cool. I think it looks um, ve- like very grounded in something like my uh, my a friend of mine um, who is like a really big fan of like more standard sci-fi, but never like never could get into Star Wars, or at least she's never she's actually never seen a Star Wars movie. Movie it's never like it's never fascinated her. But like I showed her this trailer, and I was like, I think this would be something you would actually like be into because it's it's very much got that sort of firefly feel of like western uh meets sci-fi less of the mystical stuff of the fantasy elements um so like i think too it could add something for people um maybe uh as a launching point for people who aren't as into the fantasy aspects um you know that star wars provides and and be be something that uh, a, a different audience could kind of gravitate towards and, and get into. Um, and I think it will still have all of the elements that, you know, um, huge Star Wars nerds, nerds like myself, uh, you know, covet too. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me, while you were, <clears throat> while you were breaking it down, I went to go re-listen to it. Um, so I did not misquote him at all. Um, and his exact quote, from the the clip was um we as mandalorians have a creed and that creed is we don't show our faces so get over it um so that was his exact quote um, <laughs> i wanted to make sure i, I can just imagine i can just imagine you hearing that for the first time and just the the sure joy that it must have brought you <laughs> i mean because here's 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 my biggest issue um with the idea of that and, and i'm passing right to you tia I, I always felt like people who chose characters that wore masks and then whether it was their decision or the studio's decision, because sometimes it's not always on the actor. Um, you know, I kind of felt like at every given point, it kind of, it kind of just, it's a slap in the face. Cause it's like, you're not fully doing the character. Well, it's the same thing that bothered me in Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. I kind of felt like every time he could, he was taking off the mask. And it was like, no, 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 we, we know what you look like, Andrew Garfield. Put the mask <laughs> on. Like, you know, seeing Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> like, he, he wanted to show us his face so much. They showed us inside the helmet. And it's just like, this is so <laughs> frustrating. Like, we know what you look like. Just show what we came here to see. Um, but, you know, to me, it, it's kind of like an easy way out. Like you said before, and I love the way that you that you uh, you said it, Nick. It is a challenge. It is a challenge knowing you're doing 12 episodes um, of a show where you're not showing your face. So if you, you know, there's a scene where you rescue a little girl, you know what that means? Only way for us to know how you're truly feeling is by your voice. You have to then and body and body language. In body language, right. You have to then inflect yeah. it so we can feel what you're feeling. Um, excuse me. And someone that was kind of breaking down why a lot of people didn't like The Lion King um, is because they were saying we couldn't really read any emotion. Like if Simba was sad, we only knew it because like his voice sounded sad. 
Um, like there was no emotion because it's a real lion. <laughs> Their faces aren't animated. Um, and that's why I was saying, that's why I appreciated what Favreau did with the Jungle Book because the Jungle Book gave him an opportunity to use a child to help convey the emotion of the other characters around him um, because it plays off of the human. So if Baloo is sad, you know he's sad because you see the kids showing emotion for it. Um, so, I mean, I kind of feel like the Mandalorian should be somewhat exactly the same. If we want to know how he's feeling, you know, body language and, and the sound of his voice. Uh, does he sound sad? Does he sound happy? Um, so to me, that is a huge challenge. And I can almost guarantee you, um, it's not comfortable being in that mask <laughs> the entirety of shooting. <laughs> so, I mean, that's even more of a um of an applause for me for the uh the dedication of it and i really truly appreciate um if this sticks because that that'll remain to be seen but if it does hold and he does not show his face i'm really proud of favreau um and feloni because they work together on this um on just staying true to the character um and real quick just real quick yeah. before you pass it mm-hmm. to you um yeah i because i just want to want to highlight one thing you said um because you kind of – I think it's a really good point, and, and I, I just want to um, give you props on it. Uh, the the point that um, not only through his voice and his body language, but also the characters around him and how uh, Favreau was able to utilize that in the Jungle Book and how maybe that experience could help him utilize that with various characters uh, around him in this, um, that's – I think that's a really good point and a really interesting way to look at it um, because oftentimes um, these characters can be in a situation together or um, could be on the opposite ends of situations. And so by garnering, um, you know, reactions of, you know, other characters surrounding our main character, um, I I think that could offer, um, it, it it could add a lot to, the the viewment as a whole from the audience um so i i just think that's a really good point and like another um way that that they can achieve what they want to do with our titular character through the supporting cast yeah i mean it's gonna help out a lot because if you think about it the, the point you made at the beginning this is the first time we've heard him speak which by the way that line that they were trying to deliver as like the the headline of the the um the trailer didn't hit as hard like as I think they thought it would. Um, it was a little underwhelming. I, I think you could have thought of something better. I know there there has to be a tagline in that show that's just better than that. Um, but you know, I feel it, like it, it's oh, the I ahead. feel like it's the line. Uh, bounty hunting is a um treacherous profession or complicated is a complicated mm-hmm. profession like i feel like that's your tagline yeah i mean it's just like <laughs> i was watching i was just like oof yikes because um uh, disney emailed us like the um like the the promo poster and stuff and like the headline of it was they're waiting for you and it was like uh what <laughs> Like, yikes. But um, no, the, the point I was trying to make was um, it, it just seems like he doesn't talk that often. Um, so if he yeah. doesn't, it's even more important for you to have supporting characters um, that he trusts to maybe sometimes do the talking for him or his actions <laughs> usually will portray his, his actual thoughts. 
Um, so it's just going to set up for a really great, great series um, that luckily we're only two weeks away from. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Tia, um, your thoughts on the final trailer for The Mandalorian? I have to say really quick, the real reason why Juwan was so happy about that quote from Pedro Pascal is that he could not wait to go, see, Tia, this is how an actor should respond. (laughs) And as soon as there's, like, a trailer for Halo and Pablo Schreiber even, like, shows his lower jaw, like, he could be, like, slowly lifting the helmet off and it's only going to show his chin. And Juwan's going to be like, Tia, what the hell? See, he's not doing it correct, but anyway, I digress. Yeah, and in the actual thing, it could, like, cut away as soon as he takes the helmet off, and that'd be the only thing you see. And he'll be like, I don't care. It's all chin. I don't care. I don't care. We saw chin. I will say say the the thing that excited me the most um, about his quote uh, was the idea of, um, you know, the actor, the, the director, and the studio um, kind of all buying into the fact that, well, remember, the creed of this character is to not show the face. We want to stick to that. If this were a movie, I don't think um, they would really do it. Um, but that's why I'm like, TV shows are allowed, to, you know, they're given that kind of leeway because you're not necessarily marketing anything. It's not box office dollars. It's just views. So I'm like, when you're doing it on Showtime and it's not a movie, there is no real legit reason why you refuse to buy into the oath of um, the Master Chief and not show his face. Like, it's just so simple. Uh, but anyway, I'm sorry, Tia. I'll pass it back to you. Your thoughts on the last show of the Mandalorian? Just saying, Pedro Pascal is a beautiful man, and it would be a shame. But anyway, um, I loved it. I thought it was really good. I have not pre-ordered Disney Plus yet. I'm planning on doing it this week. Because I really want to see this uh, show. When we talked about it a few shows ago, and we kind of uh, correlated to like a western. That made me even more excited because I love westerns. So this idea of like a space western, um, it just seemed really cool. I loved. Uh, and so as much as I'm like giving you shit about the whole helmet not showing your face thing, I love the idea that this character would barely speak, right? Um, there's a movie with John Bernthal and Tom Holland called Pilgrimage where John Bernthal literally says one word the entire movie, but it's so impactful. I would be perfectly fine if that was the same way it was with um, uh, with The Mandalorian, where, like, that's the only line that we get. Yeah, good. I loved that. I personally would be okay if we barely heard his voice at all. Um I love the setup of everything. I can't remember the exact quote, but weren't they saying something along the lines like, oh, well, is he really that good or something like that? And then all of a sudden you just see him busting out of the door and just shooting and annihilating everyone. I was like, this is so awesome. It's just cool looking. And I don't know. I'm excited for it. I believe don't two episodes drop when it finally releases. No, I think uh, Favreau uh, specifically said it's it's weekly. Um, it's so weekly. it'll be okay. That's a bummer. Week. Yeah, I, I, are I they think, an hour? I, I think yeah, so. yeah, they're about an hour. Yeah. I mean, it's still gonna be awesome. Like the budget is huge. We know that 
it looks like they took the time to really construct this awesome uh, series. And if we can see how excited, say, Pedro Pascal is, we know then he put a lot of effort into making sure that he's bringing this character to life, regardless if we see his face and regardless if we hear him speak. So I am very excited about The Mandalorian. I liked the final trailer, and I liked how you guys pointed out that he really, this is the first time we've ever heard him talk. And that is, that's really cool to me. So I'm excited about the Mandalorian. And this is hilarious because again, me, someone who is not a big Star Wars fan, but I am super pumped for this show. I I have a lingering question, just real quick, mm-hmm. Lauren, um, mm-hmm. that I want to pose. I am, I, I'm very curious as to what all these stormtroopers are doing here because if this is after the the uh, after what ten years after Return of the Jedi, Jawan? Is that what they said? Yeah, about them. Like yeah. a decade after. So mm-hmm. like the Empire has like been defeated, you know. At least the Emperor, um, and you know the second Death Star and all that. So I wonder if this is uh, either a flashback or if this is if, if like. Say troop like you know stormtroopers who were set on this um, place decided just to take it over for themselves and just like rule um, like rule this planet um, as you know kind of you know it, it, without there being um, a power structure in place they're like fuck we need to seize this for ourselves or these people are going to overthrow us um, or if we'll see. Um, Similar, similar to you know, in in the um, uh, extended universe, uh, like how the uh, empire tried to remain relevant um, thereafter, and if that aspect will tie in, um, and how it will tie in. So I, I like I'm interested in all of that stuff because like my thing is if the empire is trying to remain relevant, it seems far fetched for them to try to focus their um, Efforts on some outer rim planet that seemingly was probably not not directly under their control to begin with. It wasn't one of the inner planets, um, so I'm wondering what those stormtroopers are doing there, and and if that ever gets explained. I'm very interested to see what they what they're doing there. I would I would lend to believing it's a flashback, but if it's not, I would say those specific stormtroopers more likely are for hire um, because there's nothing for stormtroopers to do anymore. Um, I think maybe that um, they're hot, like not hired bodyguards, but like, um, you know what I'm trying to say? Like they're just for hire. So it's like, Hey, I'm going to be going here. So like, I need you guys to like watch my back, make sure like I don't, I don't die or whatever. Um, Right. And I think. Good. I I think too in the new canon, they go like upon Sidious's death, they go to the outer like uh like the what do they call it not the outer rim the um the edges of the galaxy and that's where they find Snoke and all of that it's in the aftermath series and I haven't read them so I, I'm not like totally up on them but but I I don't believe it would tie in with the way that the extended universe handles the aftermath of um, the, the the fall of Palpatine, and because that that's when they actually bring in Thrawn, 
um, in the extended universe, and we know that they've repurposed Thrawn and brought him in uh, earlier uh, within Rebels. Um, so I'm, I am curious as to how that ties in. But anyway, I'm sorry. You were finishing up your thought. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I lost track of where I was going, so you did me a favor. But, but yeah, um, <laughs> it, there's, there's a lot they can do. I mean, that new Star Wars game, I, I think, takes place around the events of um, uh, whatever that last one was of um, the original trilogy. I can't remember. My brain scattered. But um, if this takes place 10 years after, uh, I think that's kind of a gray area um, as far as who was trying to do something Sith Lord wise or, um, you know, uh, anything like that. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I think honestly, if you want, Favreau has freedom to kind of just play around with it. Um, so yeah. maybe there's a stormtrooper that rules over the rest of them. Um, and maybe he's leading a, a charge. I mean, you just have the freedom to do what you want, um, which is great. And I, I it, it's funny because <clears throat> before we move on, Actually, it can kind of trans transition into our next trailer. I was telling um I was telling someone yesterday, like with Netflix doing um you know the last Airbender like the live action, like we've seen the live action and it didn't work right. So like the smartest thing for you to do is instead of taking something we know of and we set expectations for, use the gray area. There's a whole like remember Ang had been frozen for like 200 years. Play with um a prequel, or there's a lot of gray area in between the last airbender and the legend of Korra play with that gray area. My point is take something that we don't have any kind of, um, you know, like history of, or, or, you know, a, a book of, or a show of. Um, so there's no expectations. You can just do whatever you want. So if we don't like it, we don't like it because it's bad, not because it's not true to what we know it to be. Um, so Good I point. hope if you're, if you're Favreau, and, you know, you're playing around with a timeline that doesn't necessarily have Jedi or doesn't necessarily have any Sith Lords. Play around with that. Have there be a leader of the, the Stormtroopers or have it be that some kind of um, slumlord kind of bought out the, um, you know, the, the Stormtroopers and he's, he's uh, selling them off. Like, you guys want bodyguards? You know, here's here's how much they cost. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, play yeah. around with, you know, have some fun. So hopefully that's yeah. the case. Well, um, and the, the other thing too is like you see the the shot of like a lot of stormtroopers with their heads on pikes. So like again, like it's just it, it just leaves me with a lot of questions that excite me um going into this to see like how all, like how this world, this planet is existing after the the fall of the empire and I think the stormtroopers are kind of the vestige of the empire um yeah. that I I find most interesting outside of our, you know, following our main character. So, yeah, pretty cool. No, I'm, I'm right with you, man. All right, Tia, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we moved on? Nope, I'm good. All right, let's move on to The Witcher. Tia, I'm actually going to start with you, because um, you were loving this trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Your thoughts on what I would assume to be the final trailer for The Witcher um, comes out in December. I don't think you need another trailer. I think this should be it. Um, but your thoughts on the, the newest trailer for The Witcher? I'm going to be shameless right now. Another trailer would probably kill me. 
I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to actually watch an episode of The Witcher because <laughs> Henry Cavill is going to literally murder me. Uh, that's all I have to know. <laughs> I have no other thoughts other than that. I was just saying, I was like, wow, this is, Wow, this is who that, wow, okay, wow. <laughs> Henry Cavill with his beautiful long silver hair. He can pull it off. I was talking to my friend Kelly, and it was like, wow, he can really pull off that wig. Like, um, all the oh, Targaryen, yeah, all the Targaryen men from Game of Thrones what? are shaking right now. They're like, shit, we <laughs> never look so good. <laughs> um, I'll say this right now. I have no idea about anything about The Witcher. Never played the games or read the books or anything, but this show does look awesome. Like, it's crazy because, you know, we always put, like, Netflix shows and movies into a certain sort of formula, but then there are shows that break that formula, and just this seems to, even though it's, like, by Netflix, it doesn't seem like the typical Netflix series. It looks like, say, you know, not to compare it too much because I don't want people to overly compare it, but like a new Game of Thrones, something that's really mm. epic, it's kind of medieval, um, has that sort of mysticism that really could maybe fill a void that people are feeling now that, say, Game of Thrones is ending, I think Vikings is ending or something. So this could be a show that really um, is able to accomplish that, especially since it has a fan base coming in from those who have played the Witcher games, because I really am convinced that video games are going to be the new thing that get adapted, that really blow up. Um, it's not going to be like how it was where you got a few adaptations that absolutely bombed. Um, I really think that you have people that are working to make really good adaptations and this looks good. Um, if I remember correctly, Henry Cavill really wanted this role. He, like, first auditioned for it. He first asked for it. He was told that they weren't even casting anyone yet. Uh, something like they, you know, looked at, like, 200 guys for the role, and they finally were like, call up Henry. Obviously, he's the only one who can do this right now. So the fact that he really wanted to play this role is awesome. Um, I just love the feel of it. Uh, I'm really interested, again, as someone who has no idea about what the Witcher is, what's the lore of this, uh, you know, okay, he's like a mutated person, and people don't like that, we don't want your kind here, okay, what is going on, so it really, the trailer has me pumped, it has me asking a whole lot of questions, it visually looks amazing, uh, the music looks, uh, the music sounded really good, the story looks like it's going to be certainly, um, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't want to keep saying interesting, but very much like it's, uh, you're going to want more as the episodes go on. So other than obviously Henry Koppel being the huge draw in for, from this trailer, I thought in general, it looked like a very strong trailer and, I'm really excited. I hate that I have to wait till December for this thing. I'm like, all right, I saw the trailer. Is it coming out next week? Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I hate that I have to wait till December 20th. I'm sitting there going, ooh, maybe Netflix will send us early episodes, right? Come on, Netflix, if you're listening. I want <laughs> yeah. to watch. Um, but, yeah, it looked really good. I loved it. So that's my thought. <laughs> um, I will say it's very faithful to um, the games. I've never read the books. Um, I'm actually 
in the midst of trying to beat The Witcher 3. That is possibly the longest, most difficult game I've ever played. But it is so accurate to the games. You, you remember that tub scene in, in the trailer where, like, he's just sticking his foot out? Oh, it's, it's do I remember. That is me. That is me. <laughs> All right, calm down. No, but that's a um, that's an exact uh, that's an exact shot from the video game. That's actually how The Witcher Three starts. Um, it's it's right after like the the intro of like um, kind of how he lost his people and stuff like that. Um, it just shows him in the tub just with his leg out, and like I'm like, why am I watching this right now? <laughs> like, can I get to the game? Um, and I'm like, the fact that they thought that was so uh iconic from the game to put that in there i thought was hilarious but um it's very true it looks very true to everything i've seen in the witcher 3 um if it wants to go epic it should have all the monsters um that they had in the witcher uh the witcher 3 they had this huge bird um they had huge bears huge wolves um so i mean they could really go crazy with the idea of this this show but as far as what you were saying about the trend of video games kind of being the next thing, I think what people should really start to focus in on is video games maybe shouldn't be um, adapted into movies. Maybe you just give us a um, a show. Uh, that way you can kind of do more. You can have more liberties than you usually do with a um, oh. with a movie. Um, like think, to be honest, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I think that's a good idea because when you have video games. You know, people can play days, weeks, you know, whatever. There's multiple video games. So that's a lot of source material to have to cram into, like, two hours. If you do a series, I think you have a lot more freedom to actually accurately uh, tell a story. And when you were saying that it's very accurate to say the video games, that is also what Brittany pointed out because she's played the games as well. She was like, it is incredibly faithful uh, as far as what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, to me, I'm kind of just like what DC and Marvel is doing as far as their formula for their um, their live action shows that clearly would be movies if streaming services weren't all the rage. Um, it's just smart because by the time you get to the movies, there's less you have to explain because you'll just tell people go watch the show. Like it, it was all explained in the show. Um, and, and it allows you, like you said, to kind of draw things out. Uncharted should be a show. You could do so much more with that if you just make it a show. And being selfish from our end, um, if you make it a show, we get a season two earlier than we would a sequel. Um, so we don't have to wait two, three, four years for that actor to free up for you to do the sequel. Um, we know filming usually will start the following year for it to come out later in that following year. Um, so to me, it's like, it's just, it's the easier thing to do. And I think if Mortal Kombat does not do well, it's a formula mm. you'll see more people do to where they're like, I'll just make it a show um, where I could draw things out more. Like in, for Mortal Kombat, instead of just doing the idea of all these characters facing off, maybe I do a Sub-Zero series. Maybe I do a Scorpion series. Maybe I do a yes. Liu Kang series. And then what you could do is build it up as a show, have the movie be Mortal Kombat. Um, and, you know, since you've already built up the characters, you make that your one huge, um, make it like your Avengers film. And then you keep everything at a smaller level and then only come back for um, sequels to your Avenger level movie. 
if more video games kind of took that formula, I'm telling you, you would have way more success unless the show is just garbage. Um, but it just gives you a lot more liberties and freedom to kind of stretch it out and to force it, like Tia said, within those two hours. Um, but Nick, I'll pass it right to you so I don't talk any longer and you forget any of my points you wanted to respond to. Um, but your thoughts, your thoughts on the Witcher trailer? Uh, well, before I get to that, I did want to comment on your Mortal Kombat thought because that was my first kind of thing um, with sitting here and listening to what y'all were saying as far as um, formatting for these video game things, um, especially a thing like Mortal Kombat, which is just steeped in so much lore, so much mythology. Um, like, if you ever have a chance to like. Um, like any of our listeners to like sit down and like read the backstories on these characters and the different clans and um, the various uh, lineage um, and, and like of the Lin Kuei or the black dragon or the red dragon or the, you know, the, the white Lotus society, like all of these various things are steeped in so much fucking badass lore. Um, I would almost hope that um, like, uh, even if it even if it does like let's say let's say it doesn't do super well as far as box office, but it's somewhat well received by critics, um, and it's it's um, uh, like very well received by fans. Like let's say it's almost like a Judge Dread uh, kind of situation. Like that to me would make it even better set up for a, a, a series for like Warner Brothers and HBO to take on. Um, specifically because uh, you don't, like you said, Juwan, you don't have to achieve um, quite as much because they're they're looking for the views, not the not the box office take. Um, they're looking for the subscriptions, not the box office take. Um, and I, you know, I think that could be a great path for um, for Warner Brothers and HBO to uh, achieve success with Mortal Kombat. And if it doesn't do well. Then yeah, wait a couple of years and then try it out in that sort of format. Um, I feel like you just—it's it, it, the the template has always been there. They've just never really tapped into it. I mean, the the first two movies were so long ago and they completely bastardized the mythology um, uh, and, and a lot of the characters. Um, and I, you know, I just feel like I've really, really waited my whole life to see like a proper adaptation of Mortal Kombat and. Um, hopefully we'll get it with this movie, but um, one way or another, I think you could absolutely do a series, whether it's a, a continuation of this movie or if it's something just totally original and fresh. Um, so, yeah, definitely agree there. Um, as far as the Witcher trailer, um, I totally agree with Tia. It definitely – and I feel like it's being marketed as such. It definitely has the feel of like a spiritual successor to Game of Thrones. Um, you have this this sort of mystical, medieval place. There does seem to be some amount of politics involved. Um, there's obviously these, these big monsters and shit that he has to fight. There's these battle scenes that we catch glimpses of. It seems to have all the elements, at least, um, for, uh, you know, to kind of lend itself to that audience. Um, and I, like Tia, I've never read the books. I've never played the games. So this is just, you know, I'm coming in blind just like she is. Um, but, like, from everything I've seen so far, I'm just like, dude, this looks fucking awesome. Uh, like, I, 
I can't wait to see it. I, I feel like I, from what I've gathered from the, the trailer and, and, and Cavill's character, um, I feel like he was a really good casting. Like, I feel like um, it, it kind of, he's kind of this, this um, somewhat tortured character, but he has, he has this, a, a sense of justice and, and, and morality um, and kind of what, you know, they were attempting to do with Man of Steel that they never really kind of got the opportunity to explore, um, and this might be a better vestige for him to um, explore that kind of character. Um, and, yeah, man, I'm really excited. I thought the trailer uh, looked fucking awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just – I'm pumped for this. I think Netflix, they just have so much good shit going on right now um, between this and the Irishman's about to drop, um, and there's a couple other things that they've got coming down the pipe. Um, they're just, they're killing it right now. Uh, and you know, we, we've often speculated, you know, what's going to happen when stranger things ties up and you know, what's going to happen, you know, when they don't have that cash cow and everything else, well, this might be that next big cash cow, um, you know, for them to, uh, really kind of bank on. And I, I'm I'm hoping that it's good enough and successful enough to be that. Um, and then just one more other thing. Uh, I don't know if you would technically consider this specifically a video game adaptation because I, I believe the books came before the video game. Um, so I, you know I don't I don't know what what I guess qualifies a video game adaptation. Um, but they. Uh, if this is successful, then if you do want to classify this as such as a, as a video game adaptation, then they then have two excellent video game adaptations that they're killing it with uh, because um, – uh, uh, shit, wow, I just forgot the fucking title. Um, Castlevania? Uh, Castlevania. Thank you. Castlevania mm-hmm. is fucking amazing. It Like, it is uh, – like – just I, I fucking love that series um and you know i think too as you mentioned juan i'm not sure that the video games i haven't played them but i'm not sure that from game to game they go in sequential order like um chronological order um and having like a few different games and a few different books to kind of draw on um they can present uh the timeline they can take all of this and present the timeline in a fashion that they want, which can mix it up a little bit, which is what Castlevania was able to do um, because the show um, starts off uh, basically uh, from, I believe, the third game, which uh, in the storyline of Castlevania through the video games is a prequel to the first two games. Um, so like they were able to, to adapt that first um, so they could kind of take what they wanted to take, um, and maybe they they build up uh, and and you know potentially move on uh, to the first game. Um, like I, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's 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 a really interesting thing that Netflix is doing with adapting specific materials and in different mediums. Because I mean, Castlevania is an anime, um, and it's it's. Um, I, you know, I'm not even a big anime fan. I've never like, there's, there's a few that I've watched that I really enjoy. Um, but like, I'm, I'm definitely not someone who watches a lot of it. 
Um, but specifically, uh, Castlevania is something that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've always kind of had an interest in vampires and stuff, so I was drawn to. Um, and I, I vaguely remember playing the game a little bit here and there as a kid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, so that, that may be another thing that they can, um, you know, kind of have as, as a successful adaptation of, of a video game. Yeah, I the the biggest thing that this trailer kind of screamed for me was um if this if The Witcher does well, um a lot of people are going to then start to force Sony's hand to develop a Jason Momoa led God of War show. Um and I think once we get that, it'll spark a whole new revolution. Um because God of War has always been a property that, um, you know, I, honestly, if, if I'm being quite honest with you, I think God of War um, is is what you would lend more towards being um, of, of the world that kind of bridges both of a Game of Thrones world and a Witcher world. It kind of bridges the two of them. Um, and it, it, it's doing something that we've never really seen before. I mean, we're talking about um, someone that's facing gods. Um, so, I mean, you getting Jason Momoa in that role um, and you doing Kratos, the god of war, I think if you do that, it will then open the floodgates <laughs> for every video game um, that's been a success to want to do um, a show or a movie, um, which I think is what we've all been waiting like forever for. I mean, especially successful video games um, for them to be really good movies or TV shows. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I need The Witcher to be a success um, is because maybe you'll get Sony um, interested in the idea of doing God of War, which is something people have wanted more than anything that's been adapted. Um, because that, that game's, I think they made four of them. That game has been freaking brilliant. Um, so, I mean, Jason Momoa, Kratos is just, I mean, come on, that, that's box office written all over it. Um, shirtless Momoa for an entire movie? I mean, yeah, I think you could sell that. Um, now who's being shameless? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> you know how I do, Tia. Um, but yeah, Tia, I'll pass it to you before we uh, we move on to our last trailer. Uh, really quick, two things. The only video game that I can really see being, say, a movie and not a series is uh, Whistleblower. That would make an awesome uh, horror movie. Um, and as far as, say, with The Witcher getting, like, maybe hopefully a second season and being, like, the new Netflix thing that kind of anchors the series, uh, the streaming service, with Henry Cavill, though, being a movie star, would he have the time to commit to a se- uh, an actual series as opposed to just a season? Well, he ain't playing uh, Superman anytime soon, so why not? Well, well, I, I think I think the stigma of um, big um, Hollywood actors not doing um, streaming services has been completely worked out. I mean, the fact that we got Meryl, well, let me not say we, but the fact that HBO got Meryl Streep to a series tells you right there that it, it's not impossible. It, it, it's it's yeah. now very possible for actors to want to do series um, and still but, be able to do movies. Right, and even like um, Tom, 
Tom Hardy does multiple. Like he he does right. um he, he's a minor role, but he's you know, obviously in Peaky Blinders. Um and he is mm-hmm. the main character in um that T and T show which I've FX. Yes, yeah, Tabu. Yeah, FX. Thank you. Um and that show is fucking great. And uh, just to uh, tie a huge circle into all these trailers, I, I totally am kind of expecting Pedro Pascal's lead to be very similar to to um, uh, to, to the lead in Taboo. Because um, if y'all have seen that, um, Tom Hardy doesn't have a lot to say in that one either. <laughs> He's yeah, that's that a good show. point. But yeah, it's I, a lot I, of grunts. <laughs> I think if this was ten years ago, Tia, it, we would we would. Well, if this were 10 years ago, I don't think anyone that you consider a A-lister in Hollywood would even remotely think about doing something like this. But like I said, it's completely different now. It, it, you got Meryl, oh, Even though it was one series, you got Meryl Streep to be in it. And you got her to be along with Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman. Um, like That was a stacked yeah. roster that they had for Big Little Lies or whatever the name of that show was. Big Little um, Lies. Yeah, that's it. So I'm like, I, I think that whole notion of like, well, would they ever, I mean, that that has to be gone now. I mean, because we've seen too many A-listers um, doing series. I mean, Jennifer Aniston's doing a series right now, I think, with Reese Witherspoon um, yeah. for, for Apple. So, I mean, that I think at this point, it's like they consider it, they honestly, I think they consider it um, right up there with movies because it gives you more um how would you say um exposure because people are more inclined to watch these series than they necessarily are to go see a movie that's not um your you know quintessential oh i definitely got to go see this kind of movie so you have a better chance of getting someone with your show than you necessarily do getting them to spend money to go see it in theaters so i mean i think you'll see more aces do stuff like this and no offense but is henry cavill an a-lister well, no, but I get what Tia's saying. He's he's possibly one of like male, one of the biggest male names out there. Um, like like I tell you this, if he's if he's even remotely considered for James Bond, it tells you how Hollywood views the, uh, uh, Henry Cavill. But I don't know that he has been considered for James Bond. I know that he said he would love to do it. I don't no, 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 think no, no, there's no. been any no. reporting that Sony was interested in him. No, 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 no. I'm saying once this last movie comes out and they talk about rebooting it, when they talk about casting, if we hear his name, I think that'll let you know how Hollywood views him. I'm not saying that they have. I'm saying when they get into that phase, um, I think it'll let us know. Because remember, you could make a great case that James Bond made Daniel Craig um, because no one knew Daniel Craig before that. And he's been a freaking uh, brilliant actor since that. So it's like yeah. we've known we've known some of the stuff Henry Cavill's done. So I mean, um, being James Bond can only further elevate the guy. Um, so I think that'll be a huge inclination on what to expect for Henry Cavill's career going forward. Um, it, it would be depressing if we hear they didn't even remotely look at Henry Cavill for James Bond. Yeah, it would be we'll sad. Know, um, especially because I yeah. think he'd be a really good Bond. Right, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, even if you don't consider Henry Cavill an, an A-lister, um, it still lends to the fact that, um, you know, we've had a lot of big name actors do series. I mean, Tom Hiddleston did sure. a series for AMC, um, The Night Manager or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, I never watched uh, it, but I had interest in it. 
Yeah, so I'm like, a lot of these guys are, are, are doing series because it's the thing to do now. Agents are saying, like, hey, go go to Netflix, do this series. So, um, yeah, there's no gap anymore between movies and, and series or streaming platforms. Um, but, all right, let's move on to our last um, trailer. Let's talk – I think this, this movie is called Bl- – I don't know why I was blanking out on it. I think it's called Bloodshot. Um, yes. But I will say this. As a Valiant fan, that is where Bloodshot comes from. Uh, Valiant Comics. Um, my favorite is actually Ninjak, who is very similar to like Batman. Um, but this movie, I need to do well because Valiant deserves some love. Um, they have a really huge um, array of great characters. Um, Exo Manwar, uh, Eternal Warrior, Archer and Armstrong. Um, they just have so many great characters that, you know, if you guys ever read the comics, you would want to see be adapted into more movies. Now, I had this argument with Joel. I told him this trailer was just Vin Diesel doing the same thing he did in Triple X, he did in Fast and Furious, he did in um, all his other Vin Diesel playing Vin Diesel movies. And he said, I completely well, yeah. Agree. And he goes, yeah, that's how you have to market it. And I go, no, it's not. Vin, the character of Bloodshot, if you guys actually Googled to look up what Bloodshot looks like, um, they showed him as that comic accurate version in that trailer once. And it was for two seconds. Um, Bloodshot has a huge red circle on his chest and he's all white, right? And they showed a glimpse of that. My my problem with this trailer is why not show more of that? Why are you only teasing us with it? Like if you're trying to market the people, first trailer. it is, it is. But to me, what you have to do with this first trailer, I get you're trying to sell people who have never heard of Valiant, never heard of Bloodshot, right? But what you don't want to lose are the people who do know Valiant and do know Bloodshot by not showing them Bloodshot. Um, and I think the only thing that saved it for this trailer for me is that I think it has a very strong cast, um, like stronger than I expected this movie to have. Um, so, excuse me. I was very impressed with the cast, but overall, um, you know what this movie actually reminds me of, uh, Nick and Tia? As soon as I finished watching the trailer, I remembered when I saw, um, uh, what what was it? What was the... Um, what is that movie your boy Joel Kinnaman was in, Tia, where it was, um, it's based off of like an older movie. He was a half man, half robot. God, I'm RoboCop, thank you. Um, a I remember seeing, a little. I remember seeing the trailer to RoboCop and going, this is a brilliant cast and it's a great, it's a great spin from what the original did. And then I sat in that theater and I was just like, this is not RoboCop. <laughs> this, this is this bad. This is garbage. <laughs> this is really bad. I kind of liked it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, man, it's better than RoboCop three, but uh, yeah, that's not saying much <laughs> at all. Um, but yeah, so the first thing I felt was I know this character, so the worst thing for me is to go in and you just cater this movie to people who don't know him, and you completely push out his actual fan base. So I mean, Vin Diesel really wanted to do this character. Sony really wanted to do this movie, so hopefully that means they care about the the um like the actual you know the actual character doing the actual character justice but i'm telling you this screamed robocop (laughs) so 
I immediately <laughs> got nervous. Um, but Nick, I'll pass it to you first. Your thoughts on uh, on the Bloodshot trailer? I like the premise. Um, I like the premise where they and and I thought they did a very good job of conveying the premise of the movie where you know you kind of discover throughout the trailer that um they are sort of manipulating him to take out various targets by implementing them into a manufactured backstory of whoever the target they want to kill being the man who killed his family. Um, I think that's really fucking interesting, um, and I would assume that is from the comics, which I'm not familiar with. Um, and you can kind of see throughout the trailer him starting to kind of piece this together and being like, man, I got some deja vu going on. Something's weird. Like, I've been here before. This is um, – so I, I really do like the premise, and I do like Vin Diesel. Um, I, I love – uh, Pitch Black, I love the Chronicles of Riddick. Um, Riddick is okay. It's kind of a retreading of Pitch Black, um, and I wish they would have done more with um, where they left off with Chronicles of Riddick and not just kind of brush that aside because I thought that would have been a more interesting place to take uh, the franchise than to just do kind of a retread of Pitch Black. Um, but uh, I do wonder – like. I know Vin Diesel can act. I've seen him do it before. Um, like he in in just in small parts. I mean, he's really good in um, uh, knock around guys. He's really good in um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, he's um, he's pretty good in A Man Apart, which is you know one that he actually led. Um, like, but he seems to have strayed so far from that period of his career that he's basically just Dom in every fucking movie that he plays in um, aside from the Riddick franchise which is kind of you know I think took I want to say Pitch Black came out like a couple years before um, uh, Fast and the Furious um, but like I don't know man I, like, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic I just hope he can give like some kind of performance that's not just a retread of Dom um, or even Riddick, uh, and give us something kind of new and fresh. I, I, I actually, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I would say I'm more cautiously pessimistic um, <laughs> that maybe he wasn't the best person for the role, despite him really, really wanting to do it. Uh, time will tell. But like I said, I do, at the very least, like the premise. I like Guy Pierce. I am with you though that I feel like this will probably be somewhere in the vein of the RoboCop remake where it's not terrible but it isn't good necessarily like good either and it's just kind of forgettable um that's that's kind of what my gut tells me after watching the trailer even though I do really think the premise is is in, intriguing yeah, I mean the the character is great. So as as you see, obviously in the trailer, he can heal. Um, it's impossible to kill Bloodshot. Um, he is one of their more um, standout characters in the Valiant universe. He uh, he carries dual pistols. Um, it's just the character is so much fun if done correctly. Um, but this is screaming like maybe this should have been a series and not a movie. But again, it feels like it 
could do well, um, right? Because um, like you said, Vin Diesel can act. The problem is the roles he's been doing recently kind of make you feel as though he's comfortable not really showcasing that he can act. Uh, he'd rather just be Vin Diesel in movies. Um, so, I mean, you kind of look at this and you kind of hope that they um, – you know, they do right by the character and you get to see the, the good acting by Vin Diesel. But again, the the standout cast is what's really kind of giving me hope. And hopefully it's better than I'm expecting, but I promise you it has RoboCop all over it. Um, Tia, your thoughts on the Bloodshot trailer? It, the Bloodshot trailer was shot really interestingly uh, with the very much the focus on the color red um and so the whole thing is i watched the trailer right and it was only until after the trailer because i walked away like oh, okay that was that was okay you know i mean it wasn't great but it was okay and then i went on twitter and then i was like oh shit that's right he's supposed to look a certain way and he's not looking that way at all but um you know it is the first trailer uh we didn't see Venom, like, at all during the first Venom trailer. So maybe they're, you know, this is Sony. They're, you know, they got a trend going on. They're like, we're not going to give you what you want in the first trailer. You're going to complain about it, and then we're going to give it to you in the second trailer, maybe. Uh, to me, the thing that really kind of is making me drawn to the movie is I just really like Guy Pierce. I like following his career. He's a chameleon in the movie industry, and I think that that really is kind of the only thing that would make me right now want to see the movie because, as you guys were saying, Vin Diesel just really seems like he's playing Vin Diesel in this. Um, and th- But then again, I don't know anything about Bloodshot, so I can't say that he's not acting like Bloodshot, but the way you guys are making it seem like, he's just acting like Vin Diesel. Yeah, well, look, I mean, again, it's it, it's like you like you both said, it, it's very early. Um, and, and by no means am I saying this movie is definitively going to be garbage or everyone's going to be horrible or it's not going to um, live up to the, the comic version. I'm just saying this didn't sell me. As a fan of the character, it did not sell me. Um, Sony's going to have to really do good with this because, as you said, you know, we're so used to now Marvel and DC, the big wigs, but there are plenty of other comic book, uh, you know, labels out there. And if they really want to bring Valiant Comics to the forefront and start getting people more familiar with these characters, they're going to have to have a strong beginning that ropes people in. And so far, it's really not. And I mean, if we're being honest, if we're being honest with each other, think of the other comic book um, you know, turned uh, shows, The Boys, um, whatever that movie, uh, that show was on Netflix about all the kids that were like born on the same day. Yes, like those were comics turned into shows, not movies. And it's for a reason. They're both very successful because they were able to flesh themselves out. Um, I think if you're valiant, Sony is kind of looking for this to be their home run. That's why they went out and got Vin Diesel. Um, but it's just like, maybe this might have been better to start off as a series um, that built up to a big, um, big movie with all the characters. But who knows? Only time will tell. I just, I'll say this. If we're talking most anticipated again for next year, 
Bloodshot is my venom. Um, because if this movie does bad, it will be a really long time before I get Ninjak or anyone else. So I need this movie mm-hmm. to succeed. Um, but all right, let's uh, let's move on. Um, let's talk about the biggest uh, the biggest news topic. Kathleen Kennedy. Um, well, uh, first let me start off with saying the Game of Thrones directors David. I can't pronounce it. Benioff. 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 Okay, and DB Weiss both left um, Star Wars project. Seemingly for Netflix, um, which of course got Kathleen Kennedy upset. But funny thing about this was Netflix and Disney, we know, had beef since Netflix discovered that Disney was doing their own streaming service, right? So (laughs) if you're Disney or Netflix, why would you sign these guys around the same time? Like you knew once you got (laughs) them, it would be conflicting. Like you would want your project to be first. So, if I'm these two Game of Thrones directors, because everyone's saying, like, oh, they couldn't handle doing Star Wars and blah, blah, blah. My response to that is, if you're smart and you just came from doing Game of Thrones, that was wildly criticized in its final season. The last thing you want to do is another big project that will have even bigger expectations. No. That's not what you do to rebound doing a great series like Game of Thrones. You create something new, and then you succeed with that. And then what that does is make people want you even more to do projects that, you know, already exist. So to me, I thought they were smart. I think it'll bite them in the butt, um, depending on how petty Disney decides to be going forward when it comes to the two of them. But um, I, I, I respect this. This is exactly what... If I was their agent or, or whatever, I would suggest them to do. Go create something on your own um, and, you know, that doesn't have any level of expectations. It's just something new. Um, but, Nick, your thoughts on um, Game of Thrones directors stepping down from their Star Wars project seemingly to fulfill their Netflix contract? Well, I think the whole story is interesting because, you know, we had a what, a famous – or semi-famous, I don't, I don't know how famous she is, um, but uh, what YouTuber uh, who who works for some other company, um, who kind of came out and said that uh, not everything she was kind of hearing from somewhere that not everything is what it seems, and that Disney didn't really want them, and after they saw the last um, season of Game of Thrones and the reaction there, I. I, I I could absolutely see that being the truth. Um, there's no real hard evidence to suggest that that is the truth, so I'm I'm not going to buy into it for that reason. Um, but I could see why people would make that leap. Um, I think this is absolutely the best possible case for all parties considered. I'm not totally sure Kathleen Kennedy is the best person to be helming Star Wars. <laughs> Um, not that I haven't enjoyed the majority of the movies that, like, I mean, I think, you know, the least, my least favorite of the movies under Disney was Rogue One, and that is wildly considered most people's favorite. Um, right. So, you know, I, I don't think she's done a bad job. I just think when you, it, it, it's not necessarily whether you're doing a good or a bad job, but are you doing the best job you can do? 
Um, and so I kind of wonder if the maybe the writings on the wall, and we'll talk about this with um, a later topic with Feige, uh, if maybe Disney is having you know some sort of second thoughts about putting her in charge of Star Wars. Um, but we'll get to that later. As far as it um, pertains to uh, D&D, uh, which, Juwan, you can just call them D&D. You don't – like everyone knows who you're talking about if you just – because like David and DB, D&D, um, plus it's got the Dungeons and Dragons thing, which ties into Game of Thrones. A lot of people call them D&D. Um, so you don't have to constantly question yourself every time you see the name video. <laughs> but uh, – so anyway, D&D, I think this is the best decision for them and Star Wars. Um, I think there's a lot of overlap between the Game of Thrones audience and the Star Wars audience. Um, I think for a lot of valid reasons, a lot of fans, including myself, had you know a, a, a lot of gripes with the way that they handled, the particularly the last season, but I would even argue the last two seasons of Game of Thrones – um, and the fact that it just seemed rushed, and this was a show that had always taken its time and getting to where it wanted to go, and the journey was more important than the outcome, and that journey was undercut so that they could essentially get through this because they were tired of doing it. Um, you know, they, and, and that's so understandable. I don't fault them for that. I do wish that they had just handed the reins over to HBO and said, find somebody else to finish out the saga because we would rather go on and do something else. Um, but the fact that George R. R. Martin said that he thought that there would need to be 10 seasons to really do the story justice and that we got eight seasons, the last two of which were shortened seasons, um, I think says a lot. I think basically they tried to cram in all of these specific events um and they 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 robbed us of the journey to get to those events um so i think there is um there is very um warranted criticism uh on behalf of the fans towards D&D &D. um however i do think that the um the needle has moved so much uh, so in the direction that they're just complete hacks and don't know what they're doing. Um, and that frustrates me a little bit too, because I, you know, I'm, I like, like to consider myself uh, somewhat measured in, in how I look at things and try to see both sides at all times. Um, and I don't think they're hacks. Um, they adapted one of the greatest shows of all time and were very successful in doing so um, for the majority of their time on that show. Um, but uh, I do think if they were going to adapt a Star Wars project, and from what I've read, they wanted to tackle the origins of the Jedi. Um, and I think that could have been very interesting. Uh, I do think it would have been um, met with um, serious criticism uh, because of the, the the bad taste that they left in the mouth of um, Game of Thrones fans uh, and just the general um, divide that has 
exist currently within the Star Wars community. Um, so I think it was both good for them not to take on that, and it was good for Star Wars not to bring them on. You like, I don't think it would have been – not to say they wouldn't have created something amazing and then everybody would have rejoiced saying, oh, wow, this is great. Um, but like had they not, it would have it would have been – not just met with criticism afterwards, but met with um, – like uh, gone into with criticism uh, and, and um, worry and, and um, uh, speculation. Uh, that's not the word I'm looking for, but you, you get what I'm, where I'm going with it. Um, so I think they made the right decision. I think or, – or Disney made the right decision. Whoever made the decision, they're better off going their separate ways. Um, and I will posit this as well. Um, so much of the criticism surrounding D and D is that they can't make their own material. That they just copied George R. R. Martin's work, and once they ran out of um, you know stuff, uh, once they ran out of the you know book material, they weren't able to cut it. See, I don't think it's so much that. I think it's more they just rushed it. Um, it, you know, for me personally, um, but you know, if, if you're adapting uh, various Star Wars lore, um, you're going to get that same kind of uh, you're, you open yourself up to that same kind of criticism. Like, well, the things they adapted from the from the you know source material works really well, but the things that they changed suck. You know, and it's like, why would they put themselves through that again? Like, go like make something entirely original. Um, and you know maybe kind of prove to um, to audiences like yeah we're not just flashing the pan we didn't just we're not simply successful because we you know copied George R. R. Martin's work um, I, I I think if I was them I would see that kind of as a challenge as a as and as a like um, a challenge that I wanted to take on. Um, and I don't think Star Wars would be the medium to do that because there is so much source material um, and, and, and such a divided fan base at this point in time. So I, I'm with you, Juan. I think they made the right decision, I think, um, or like I said, or if it was the kind of what, whatever crackpot theory is out there that they were kicked off of Star Wars, um, that Disney made the right decision – However, it end up transpiring. Uh, I think both parties are better off not going down that road at this juncture. Absolutely, um, Tia. What are your thoughts uh, to what Nick said and the idea of thank you, Nick, D and D, deciding not to pursue in um, Star Wars? Well, really quick. Um, in the show that we tackled last night about people who are saying, you know, they ran out of the source material, yada, yada. I believe, and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, that they ran out of source material at like season four. So, I mean, it's not like they've, you know, just recently ran out of source material. They've been operating without book material for quite a while. And I believe that they've done quite well um season six was like one of the best seasons um and i like season seven 
albeit that it was a short season and that absolutely season eight was completely rushed. We needed like two more seasons to tackle everything that they were trying to throw in there, the Daenerys, the thing, the Cersei thing, everything. But um, uh, th- I thought it was big, considering that it seems like from a public perspective that they rushed it because they wanted to work on Star Wars, that um, and again, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they like promote this as recently as August about them doing the Star Wars uh, uh, trilogy? But then last night, as we were speaking, me, AJ, and Dom, uh, we kind of were like exploring that apparently D and D was thinking about leaving uh, the Star Wars project since August. So it does seem like there's a lot um, conflicting going on. Um, as far as them like making content for Netflix, it's going to be interesting. It's a great medium for them to be hooked up with. It's the biggest streaming site, arguably, um, very established. We'll probably be able to give them a lot of the materials uh, that they'll be able to do on a bigger scale. But I think it's very shocking that they are not doing the Star Wars trilogy anymore because this is what everyone was talking about uh, as far as D&D, as far as Game of Thrones. And it would have been probably one of the uh, most conflicted received, uh, you know, at least the beginning of it, because you would have had people excited and then you would have had people incredibly skeptical over it. Uh, I want to argue and say that D&D might have gotten even more flack than Ryan Johnson with their Star Wars. So I think it's just very shocking, all of it. Um, just two things real quick. Um, mm-hmm. They there, – there was still source material to go off through Season 5 um, in, in some of the, the plot lines, but not all of the plot lines. It's when they started to kind of create some of their own – stuff a lot of that had to do with Dorn which was much maligned a lot of people didn't like how they adapted Dorn um, they just thought it was boring and that started off in, in season 5 um, but a lot of the stuff happening at the wall um, was directly from the books um, so that was kind of when it started um, but I would agree with you that season 6 is arguably the best season I don't think I don't think it is personally but I know a lot of people hold it in that regard um i think the the plot line with aria and the faceless men really kind of bring that season down as a whole um but i think every other plot line is fucking great in that season um but uh so you're 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 right to an extent um but they they still were working off some source material for season five um so uh yeah i mean i I don't remember the other point i was gonna make but that was the main one Well, no, thank you for clarifying that with me because I knew that it wasn't just, say, season eight was the only season that they didn't have any book material for. Right. And I think that people may forget that they say, oh, well, you know, season eight was terrible because they didn't have any books. I'm like, they haven't had any of the books for a while now. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I I know that, like, all, at least, I think, I I think that all of season six, but mo- if not almost all of season six, was n- with no book material to go off of, uh, at least no published book material to go off of. We don't know if George R. R. Martin gave them chapters of the book, you know, 
because um, he has released um, early chapters of uh, the Winds of Winter, um, and and so they're, they're like that's out there for the you know the the general public. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean to me it was again it was just more so them trying to kind of rush through it and thinking they could tie off all the loose ends in a in a smaller amount of time than than what was actually necessary in order to um deliver um deliver the 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 necessary uh components of a story to get to the finale um i think that was the bigger problem i don't again i don't i don't necessarily buy into the notion that they're just hacks to um you know, uh, completely relied off, um, uh, like solely off the material of, of Martin. I mean, they did rely off the material of Martin, but I think they adapted it very well. And they did make some changes, um, through, throughout the show. I mean, famously, um, like Arya and Tywin's, um, interactions in season two, um, are not in the book. And they are in the show, and they're fucking great. Like, yeah. they, they, you know, they, they've made decisions like that that have worked. They've made decisions that didn't work. Um, but that's true with any sort of adaptation from a book. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think they're, um, you know, any any sort of an anomaly in that regard. All right, let's uh, let's let's move on. We got some news from HBO Max. The new streaming service for HBO reveals upcoming content projecting over 10,000 hours of premium content for the service. DC would be a huge part of programming. Um, It'll be overseen by J.J. Abrams. HBO Max is requesting Warner Brothers to produce about 8 to 10 films exclusively for their streaming service. Um, It also will be $14.99. Um, two of the shows that were revealed for DC were a Green Lantern show, um, and a Adam Strange show. Adam Strange, for anyone who's like, who is that? Isn't he in Marvel? No, Adam Strange is the Star Lord for DC. We saw him in Krypton. Um, we actually interviewed the guy that played Adam Strange, but, um, so that's who Adam Strange is. Now, the news that I had for you guys, I was telling you guys during pre-show, was, it seems like Green Lantern, the show, is their way of telling you do not expect a movie anytime soon. The problem is we actually oh, yeah. spoke with um, one of the heads of Warner Brothers Animation um, who does the animated movies, and he was telling us how um, if something does not do well, it takes Warner Brothers almost forever to to reuse it again. So what they do is they give it to you in different formats. So if it was a horrible cartoon, they might try to do it in a live action series. If it was a horrible live action series in in a um you know they try to do maybe some form of 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 a movie or some type. But anyway, my point being, from what I'm hearing, there is a huge chance that this series will either be about Alvin Soar's adventures um that ultimately ends with his death in the birth of Hal Jordan's Green Lantern. Um, And I'm hearing there's a good chance Hal Jordan could be in the movies and the show is about Jon Stewart or vice versa. Um, So that way one is stationed on Earth, one is stationed to lead the core, 
um, and they give themselves an opportunity to cross over. Um, now, I'm not reporting this. I'm just only speaking to what I have heard. Um, but what I was saying about the Warner Brothers an- animation um, guy, um, that is very much the case because I was asking him why has Green Lantern not had an animated movie um, since First Flight, which was God knows how long, maybe 2007, 2008, maybe. Um, and he was saying how after that horrible Green Lantern movie, it just really had no interest in doing more with the Green Lantern. Um, but Nick, your thoughts on um, what HBO Max will be um, providing, J.J. Um, Abrams overseeing it, and then any thoughts to anything I said about the Green Lantern show? Yeah, I mean, I, it's all really interesting. I think um, it, it, this is a awesome point for J.J. Abrams to, like, he's finishing up the, the Star Wars um, trilogy, and, you know, if he can get, like, a deal with HBO to, to you know, kind of like what D&D were able to get with, with Netflix, like, get on that kind of um, uh, platform and that, that sort of cash cow and what have you, um, he's a really good uh, creator. Um, so, I mean, I, I would like to think that, you know, him kind of overseeing having like a bigger role than just a director like him overseeing um multiple projects and everything i think he's he he would be kind of an apt person and equipped to do so so i'm interested to see what those projects are and you know what he can achieve with those um and like just in general uh i think hbo probably needs to get uh i mean i think they kind of see where everything's trending as well um, Warner Brothers, rather, um, and you have the perfect vessel uh, to explore those things with HBO. You already have an established property that you own. Like, why not um, kind of like lean into that and utilize that? It just makes so much sense. It's, it's almost um, kind of crazy that they they haven't really done it yet. Um, so, makes a lot of sense to me. As far as the Green Lantern thing, um, I'm. You know, very interested in seeing this. I've been saying for a long time. Uh, I think Dane was the one who put the idea in my head. Um, but to do a Batman Beyond series with Michael Keaton um, on HBO, I think that would be fucking dope. Um, I don't know that that will be something that is coming or what. Um, but like, there's a lot of possibilities for them to tackle, um, and I think they already have like a really good blueprint. Um, from the success that um, Netflix was able to achieve with their Marvel properties. Um, so I think Green Lantern is, is certainly um, uh, a, an interesting uh, jumping off point. Um, but I think uh, uh, specifically with Joker being su- successful and the whole notion of the Elseworld projects being uh, something that they could tap into um, – I, you know, I would think that, uh, you know, they could explore that as well, um, and we'll see um, kind of how Watchmen fares, and and you know if that, you know, gets a big audience, and maybe that um, kind of informs their decision on on whether to go forward with some various projects or not. But um, I think it's a I think it's a really good idea, and I, I'm honestly surprised it's taken them this long to uh, to um, come to that conclusion. I'll tell you this. The biggest issue with Batman Beyond is that two things. One, 
um, they really are strict against using Batman in any platform that is not animation movies or yeah. uh, their their actual live action films. Uh, yeah. I know someone's gonna go, well, isn't there Bruce Wayne in Titans? Yes, but he is not as Batman. He is only as Bruce Wayne, as we've seen to this uh, so far. Um, yeah. They just they're they're not in a rush to do that. And not only that, you then have to explain. Well, not explain. I'm sorry. Let me let me take that back. You then have to go into showing your audience that this is now not about Bruce. This is about Terry, but Bruce is old. Um, and I think it's better if you do that. Um, like again, like I said, if Ben hadn't left, that was a old enough Ben that you could have started to venture into him passing the torch. If you remember Justice League, he sounded like he was so ready to stop being Batman um, in that movie. Um, so, I mean, now that Batman's younger in the live-action movies, um, I don't know. Because remember, HBO Max seemingly is supposed to be doing what Disney Plus is with their Marvel shows. It does connect. Sure. Um, it's just an easier way to put out content that you don't have to worry about being uh, world or widely criticized because it's more of a show format rather than a full-length movie. So it gives you time to fix whatever didn't work on season one and season two. Um, sure, I. Go ahead. I just think that with I just think that with like if, if you could convince Michael Keaton to do it, I think you and and to shoot it in a sort of Tim Burton-esque style. Um, and, and to have it be a continuation of Batman Begins, uh, or I'm sorry, Batman Returns, um, I, I just think you could get away with that. Like that would be one like small example of how you could get away with doing um, that particular um, uh, story uh, in that particular setting in that particular universe. Uh, that, that you know you maybe wouldn't want to try to tackle in any other sense, if that makes sense. No, I, I completely get what you're saying. I'm going to pass it to you, uh, uh, Tia, but I completely get what you're saying, Nick. The biggest issue with Warner Brothers at this moment is they do not like doing the same thing around doing the same thing. Um, and what I mean by that is if Batman Beyond were to ever happen, it would be so far removed from when they actually did Batman, the the movie with Robert Pattinson, um, they don't like they don't like it. <laughs> right. Hence, uh, hence, when when Joker was greenlit, all of Jared Leto's Joker projects died. Right. So that was the one right. thing James Tucker was was trying to explain to me that it, it's just something they don't have any interest in doing. Um, not necessarily because they think it confuses people but because they don't want you paying attention to something that doesn't matter um, for uh, no, I'm sorry. They don't want you taking your attention away from something that does matter to pay attention to something that doesn't. I don't think if they did Batman beyond, they would be doing it with the mindset of it extending more than one movie. Um, so they don't want you focusing on that and then maybe not giving as much attention to other things that they're trying to do with Batman. Um, and I think if you do a Batman Beyond, people will want you to do more than one. Um, and I think that's just a position they don't want to put themselves in at this moment. Um, but I'll definitely ask around um, once HBO Max and their DC pro- projects start to kind of get greenlit. 
Um, I'll ask and, and see, like, is there any possibility we can get anything else? I'll tell you this. You guys that want Batman Beyond, expect this series, like a cartoon series, before you get a live-action movie. I can almost tell you that for, for sure. You'll probably get that sooner. Um, but, yeah, Tia, what, what are your thoughts on Abrams overseeing um, uh, Warner Brothers, the Green Lantern News, and the fact that they have over 10,000 hours of premium content, and um, it's also starting at 14.99. Um, meanwhile, Disney Plus is starting at, like, six bucks. I mean, first of all, it doesn't surprise me that HBO Max has the type of price tag that it does, considering, I believe, what HBO Now has the same sort of price tag or something like that. Uh, yeah. It's HBO. I mean, that's a huge library. I mean, I know that Disney Plus is a huge library, but I feel like, I don't know, for some reason, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense for HBO Max to have that. Uh, whether or not I'll be actually getting it, meh, I don't feel like paying $15 a month for that shit. But it, it has a lot. Uh, Doom Patrol Season 2 will also be available on HBO Max as well as the DC Universe app, which I feel like is already kind of like a calling card of the fact that DC Universe, the app, is probably at some point going to slowly fade away. Um, but, uh, Abrams overseeing it is cool. Uh, he's a great visionary, so not a whole lot to say about that other than like awesome pretty much. Um, yeah, the whole thing with the Green Lantern is as soon as they announced a series, I was like, yeah, people are never getting the movie, which almost is okay because DC itself doesn't really know what it's doing with its own DC universe. I mean, if this was a few years ago where we, you know, before Justice League, where we had everything set up and they were really doing more so of an extended universe similar to Marvel, but the fact that you have now these Elseworlds things going on, you have new Matt Reeves movie, then you have like uh, Birds of Prey over here, you do have a Suicide Squad, and you do have Wonder Woman 2 and Aquaman 2 coming out, you know, but it's like, it seems like it's all over the place, just because it's concentrating on just making good movies as opposed to making something that's connected, so why worry about another Green Lantern movie when you can just put it out on HBO Max, and it could be something where it's like similar, say, to like the Mandalorian, right? Whereas the Mandalorian has like, or any of the Marvel shows that are coming out on Disney Plus, and it has a huge budget to it. So you'll have a good budget for this because it's going out on HBO Max. It's not going on out on like Hulu or something like that. So you'll have a good budget to deliver a good Green Lantern show, and hopefully, um, will satisfy those who have been calling for a live action Green Lantern for years. Um, so I forget what else I was going to say about this whole thing with HBO Max. But, yeah, um, th- their library is huge. Like, everything that they were announcing, I was like, holy shit. Um, which, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't they pulling, say, all of the CW stuff that was on Netflix and putting that on HBO Max as well? Yeah, once the um, once the contract is over. The contract, I believe, is still live for a few more shows of the CW um, but ultimately, yeah, that's their goal is to completely pull everything from there and put it on their um, their streaming service. I will say this. Um, 
Warner Brothers, well, not Warner Brothers, but HBO, yeah, Warner Brothers. They're definitely looking out for me because if you have like direct TV, you get HBO Max free for a year. So, so I'm getting it free for a year. Um, So I can definitely tell you guys if it's worth $15. (laughs) Um, But, um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing great things. I will say really quickly before we get into our um, buy or sell for the rest of these topics, uh, Tia, if any Green Lantern fan that just heard what you said, is, is oh god they're coming for me um because in their mind um they deserve a film um and as good as this show may be um i don't necessarily disagree with them green lantern should be a film i mean if you're still making the flash aquaman is still still out there wonder woman is still out there you could make a green lantern movie you just don't have to necessarily connect it to anything um it's not happening it's like black adam it's not happening <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say Green Lantern would happen before Black Adam if I had to make a decision on those two. <laughs> um, but all right, let's let's very quickly. We only got about eight minutes left. Let's get into some buy or sell. Um, Nick, I'll start off with you. Buyer selling Alan Horn saying Kevin will be making three to four Marvel movies a year. Buy. I mean, we already get like three three a year on average. Um, so yeah, three to four, that makes sense to me. Um, I, I will say this though, um, given that they're doing the, the, uh, Disney plus streaming services, I, I hope he doesn't get stretched too thin. Um, so that would be my only reservation. Um, but I mean, on the surface, yeah, I buy it. I mean, he, he, he they've been churning them out for a while now. So yeah, I would expect uh, around three a year. All I'm saying is Marvel overload. You're giving me shows. You're giving me. He's overlooking comics too, Nick. So it's like he's doing comics, TV series, cartoons, um, anything related with Hulu, uh, Disney Plus, the live action movies. No wonder. No wonder. Like said, he's like, Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I said. Like I said in the last show, that motherfucker better be getting stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks. Yeah, and let's not forget, we didn't even add in he's doing Star Wars also. He's not head of Star Wars. He's just overseeing a project of Star Wars. Still insane. Right. Um, but all right. Uh, Tia, buyer selling, Feige making three to four Marvel movies a year. Is Kevin Feige married? Because I don't know. if he is, his wife must be like, you're taking on more projects? I'm never going to see you ever again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's – listen. Take one for the on... team, Mrs. Feige. Take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it makes sense. There's a lot more that they want to introduce at this point. You know, they've finished the Infinity Saga, and now they want to introduce all these characters. And, yes, they have the Disney Plus platform to do so, but – they don't want to, I feel like they don't necessarily want to wait like years now where, you know, you got to wait now three or four years to see another this or this. It's like, no, if we put out more movies per year, we can kind of speed up the timeline a little more to develop. So it, it makes sense to me. I'm not complaining about it. as long as they continue giving us quality work and the quality doesn't uh, drop or anything, I'm fine with it. 
That's great. I'll, yeah, I'll have more excuses to go to the theater. Let's let's be clear. Alan Horn's doing this for money. Um, he does not care about us. He's like, I do three to four. I really get these people to spend a lot of money. Yeah, that's clearly <laughs> that's the only reason he's doing this. Um, not for us. Uh, all right. Um, Disney looking to release Pinocchio on Disney Plus instead of a theatrical release due to it's the failures of Maleficent 2 in Dumbo. Tia, are you buying or selling? Just throw it out. Throw it out. Like, no <laughs> one needs another Pinocchio. <laughs> Fair enough. I like it. Uh, Nick, you buying or selling? Yeah, I mean, I buy it. I mean, I, I think it's probably a smart decision if that's the route that they end up going. I mean, I I think some of these live action things, you know, like Tia said, throw it out. Um, you know, some of them are going to be very successful, some not as successful. Um, maybe you still want to try to adapt them. Uh, and in that case, throw them on the streaming app. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, the, you know, Disney kind of has this, this mindset to stop wasting our, our money on stuff that I could just watch on your app for $6. Um, so hopefully this is a trend that continues upward. Um, all right, House of Dragon prequel series for Game of Thrones coming to HBO. Nick, buying or selling? Fucking buy. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. Uh, I, I am upset that we're not getting the Long Night series because I think that would have been slightly more fascinating. It just, in my opinion, because you could have explored the the Night King more and and how we didn't really get a resolution as to what his motives were. Maybe we could have explored those. Um, but uh, as far as uh, House of the Dragon, like, yes, give me all the Game of Thrones. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Like, I'm not gonna be mad at getting Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, I mean, it. it I wanted the Night King more than anything, but it's hard to be upset with anything Game of Thrones wants to do. Um, Tia, yeah. you buying a villain? Buying 100%. I'm much more interested in the Targaryens than anything else. We really, yeah, I know that we had a shit ton of lore throughout the series, but we really only visually saw uh, Daenerys and Viserys, and I need more Targaryens because that house is just super freaking interesting. So, yeah, buying 100%. All right. Um, Haley Steinfeld may be out of Hawkeye series because of scheduling conflict of Apple TV plus Dickinson series. Um, Haley also denied any involvement in Hawkeye series when she was asked in an interview. Nick, you buying or selling this? <laughs> Big sell. Um, yeah, I mean, as we've said this so many times before, Joanne. Like, of course she denied it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. I, I'm very excited, or was very excited, uh, of the notion of her being involved in the series. Um, you know, despite uh, you know Kanan's uh, you know hatred of her for whatever fucking reason. Um, I think she's great, um, and I, I would love to see her uh, as a predominant character in that series. Uh, and I, I hope that it ends up happening, but you know, if it doesn't, I'm sure they'll find somebody great in her stead. I'm more interested in Disney declaring war on Apple if if they did take her. From, <laughs> um, I'm more interested in that. Um, see ya, by yourself. So I don't really care about a Hawkeye show. So, oh, you're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> 
All right. Um, last up, Ant-Man 3 is in the works with Peyton Reed uh, returning. I also believe Michael Douglas in a recent interview said it could be coming sooner rather than later. Um, this buy or sell is going to be a little different, but still make it quick. Um, are we buying or selling this movie doing better than the second one, Nick? Fuck, I want to buy. Yeah, I'm going to buy. Because uh, I think the first one is fucking phenomenal. Uh, and I think the second one is, is okay. Uh, and I'm hoping the third one will be better than the second one. So, yeah, I, I'm going to buy. It, it's just me being optimistic. All right, fair enough. Tia, you buying or selling Ant-Man 3 being better than Ant-Man 2? Nick, you know you love me and I'm buying. <laughs> I do love you. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna sell only because I was a huge oh. fan of Ant Man two. Um, huge fan. And I kinda feel like Ant Man three will purely be about him kind of passing the torch to his daughter. And I hate that because that means less Paul Rudd. I need more Paul Rudd. So I'm gonna <laughs> sell it off of my hatred of that. Um, okay. all right. We had a, um, we had a great show. We actually covered everything. We thought we wouldn't, but we made Woo! it. Uh, thank you, Woo! Tia. Thank you, Nick. Uh, we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.